Welcome to the Prime Life Project Podcast, a place to help you unlock your full potential, both mentally and physically, to become the best version of you. Welcome back to another episode of the Prime Life Project Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel James, and today I'm joined by two former guests, Mr. Ralph Du Quebec and Jose Lugo. These guys have come back on again to share their story as a whole and to share their bigger project, which is called We Are One Story. Now, if you've never heard of these guys before, please go back and check the previous episodes. Ralph was on number 20 and 21, and Jose was on number 23. These guys shared their deep, intimate stories, and they are incredible. The feedback from them was insane, so I'm very much looking forward to having them back for this episode. Now, before we get into today's episode, as always... I'd like to thank you guys for sharing the love, for helping us spread the word to help as many people as possible. And again, same with today. If you are getting any value from the day's episode, please like and share it with a friend. You guys are awesome. You're in for a treat today. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Welcome back to another episode of the Prime Life Project Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel James, and today I'm joined by two familiar faces. I have Ralph de Quebec and I have Jose Lugo. How are we, gentlemen? Doing great. Great, great, great. These two gentlemen have been on individually to share their story. Both of these guys contacted me uh, about doing a podcast together. But once I did research into them both, I wanted to do justice to their stories individually, which is why we ended up with two individual stories. And now I've got them both back, (laughs) double trouble. They're sat next to each other. They're quite intimidating figures. Like, I mean, luckily there's an ocean between us. But I mean, I'm glad that that we're friends now. (laughs) So... Gentlemen, talk to me about what we're talking about today. So this is all about your projects that you're doing together, uh, which is We Are All One Story. So can you talk to me and my audience about what this is all about? What is this project and how did it come about? What we do at We Are All One Story, what we do is um, we just go and listen and share to people's stories. What we want to do the most is truly just remind people of something they already know inside to be true, and that's their inherent value as people and therefore the value in their own story. Um, You know, this seems like an apparent truth. However, um, we seem to live in a day and age where a lot of people have just forgotten that very simple fact. So, you know, that just came out of uh, this whole project came out of a place of, I think, both of us losing the value in our own story. And um, we both got that value back. And I think this project came out of that place. And, um, you know, I think we have an emotional connection to it because we know what it feels like to to think that your story doesn't matter. And we just remind people that their story matters. Not only that, we listen to their story and share their story on our social media platforms to empower them to take ownership over their story. I think that's a big thing, like the empowerment with people. Like Once you give people empowerment, it completely changes how they see their situation. Like it sort of goes from like the victim role to actually empowering them to then owning it and actually seeing the positives in it because especially talking to you, to you two guys, like I've listened to some of the stories of, of the people you talk to, like the, the way that you communicate with these people, like you genuinely do empower them while you interview them. And it's absolutely awesome. But my question is, because obviously Jose, we spoke a little bit, a bit about it on uh, mine and your episode. We didn't so much go into Ralph's episode, but how did you guys get so close? Like, because we know that Ralph was dating your sister yeah. back in the day. So I imagine that you guys weren't close then. And obviously, Ralph went away and he came back. But again, there's a massive part of this timeline that I don't know what happened. So can you just talk to me about what happened for you guys to to get so close? I think we have, um, you know, my family, we're a pretty tight family. And, um, 
me and I mean, you obviously know the story about my childhood. I'm super close with my sisters and, um, you know, Ralph, that was uh, Liz's, um, I believe, first boyfriend. And they were together for how many? I don't know. So on and off for a long time. Uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, I remember, uh, you know, Liz brought him over to the house and everyone just hit it off. We accepted him as, as family and vice versa. And I think that um, that bond was real from from the beginning. And then um, we did go apart for uh for quite some time you know we had our own life experiences what brought us back here was when ralph wanted to make the u.s paralympic team and try and win a gold medal we our lives ended up getting back together and we ended up you know creating we are all one story and doing other things like that um it's pretty intense (laughs) Mm. so when so when you first met ralph what were your first impressions of him you can be honest now you can be honest because obviously, I he was a cool kid. I thought he was yeah? cool kids. Yeah, he played. He played football. My sister liked him, and everybody. When I went to Pedro High, everybody at Pedro High knew him, and you know. Because you mentioned it on, on, on our podcast that, uh, in the football team that you were in, that obviously uh, Ralph had been there before. Did you then, Ralph, did you almost take on, like, accidentally, like, almost like a fatherly figure? Because, Jose, you didn't really have that in your life. But obviously, to have someone that comes in and almost you, you got Ralph, this this big sort of present figure. Did you almost like look up to Ralph? I don't think so. There goes my story. <laughs> Damn, I thought, I thought I had something there. <laughs> like me. <laughs> so, um, so the fact that you guys have now got this this close knit family, like that, must be awesome for both of you guys. The fact of you, you've got your both individual families and you've gone this like massive three sixty. So you were close, went apart, and you've both lived such crazy lives. My then question is, what was it like when you both actually had to have these deep conversations with each other? Because again, Ralph, we didn't really talk about your depression, but Jose, we did with you. And then it was through you, Jose, that we spoke about you and Ralph really connected because you almost went through it at the same time. So as two blokes, like two big blokes, one ex-military, another one a crib, to then, it's weird. It's like a crazy, like, movie like you couldn't really write it so then you're now back together and then you're both suffering from depression what was it like for both of you to have to have this conversation with each other because i know what it's like to have depression i can't imagine what it would have been like to have been going through at the same time as someone else i don't know if i'd have been able to open up about it you know it was a lot of a lot of dark days and quiet times you know like it took us a while to talk about it it took me a while to even identify with it um, especially if you look at the story, uh, my storyline of, you know, military career, hockey career, you know, uh, you just think, oh, Ralph has it all together. And, and yet Ralph doesn't have a fucking clue. You know what I mean? I don't think anyone does that, do they? Really? You know, you know and that once I figured that out, that, that was the game changer for me is like, Ralph, you don't have it figured out. Like, um, but yeah, so then going through that that process, um, extremely dark, not knowing any answers, you know, um, you know, it was just a, a really dark, quiet time. And then finally, you know, when we were able to start talking about those things, the hard topics, you know, I never really talked about any any of that with anyone. Mm-hmm. Period. You know, I was married before, and um, my ex wife didn't even know half the dark stuff that I that I was dealing with. You know what I mean? And so. When it was finally able, uh, came time to talk about it, 
it was kind of eye-opening, especially for a 36-year-old, 35, 36, 37-year-old man, you know, having to deal with those emotions and identify with them. So, and then being able to just share my story with We Are All One Story, you know, and then just being able to give that out on our platform and in the, the highest vulnerability and in the utmost honesty, it was just uh, like, like we said, like we agreed that it was taking ownership of that story and going from victim to owner and, and, um, and uh, yeah, and taking control of it. What was it like? So how did it actually come about? Because guys are quite stubborn. Like I can't imagine that one day you just came down and were like, listen, I'm depressed. That, that and then you're like, actually what happened. Really? Actually. really? <laughs> well, yeah. so, who, so who brought it up first then? Who brought it up first? It was it was Jose. It was Carlos. Yeah, like he he just said, "Hey, I got this idea," and then he had like, you know, just blurted it out. And then I was like, "That's brilliant," and I was all for it, especially because, like I said, you know, a lot of people had placed a lot of value in my story, and a lot, a lot, a lot of value. And then for me, it was like it was just my life, and I didn't really understand. Um what was so cool about it. Yeah. Not even like white people want So so when you came with the idea for it, were you still both going through depression or did you come out the other side? Or was this your way of dealing with it? I didn't hear the first part of that. So um, when you guys came up with the idea for We Are One Story, were you guys still depressed? Or had you come out the other side? Yeah, I was definitely still depressed. So this was your way of dealing with it then? Your way of dealing with it was, let's just get our stories out there. Yeah, it was a big part of it, indeed. That's a unique way of thinking about it. Yeah. Where did you come up? With that? How, how did that come about? Because for me, I can't, I can't imagine when I was depressed of anything worse than talking about my story. But yeah. you guys have used that and it's worked perfectly. So how, where did that come from? I mean, it was, uh, it was an act from God. You, you read, listen, you well, it, listen it can't come from you because we know what happens when you plan things. <laughs> when you plan things, bad things happen, okay? So it definitely wasn't you, okay? um it definitely wasn't me so i agree on that um (laughs) but um it just came from a point where um i think we talked about it before where it came to the climax of me wanting to take my own life because i no longer saw the value in myself as a person nor in my story and finally just the light switch you know i surrendered i surrendered to god i think ralph had a similar type thing and um in that moment, I felt a glimmer of hope. And in that moment, I felt that my story mattered. And the ball just start got, just started to get rolling. I was definitely still depressed. But in that depression, now I'm working my way out of it. But now I had hope. Now I had, mm-hmm. I had um, something to aim for. Um, and Like a I purpose almost. Said, yeah, like Ralph said, we're... Um, where I just started blurt, blurt, uh, blurting out, like, I never knew about depression or stuff like that. I just started talking about to Ralph what I was going through. And then Ralph is just shaking his head. Like, <laughs> like yeah, you know, like he completely understands. And um, quite frankly, it was because my back was against the wall. Mm. I mean, I had these pent up emotions, these pent up thoughts, negative train thoughts for such a long time. I had to start talking about it. And there was no other way. I think, um, um, even when I started talking about the suicide, um, I don't think I had even told Ralph that, but, um, and I think the first time I mentioned that was when we went and we talked at, um, Colorado university, we talked to two classes 
and they asked me a question when 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 did I feel closest to death? And I said, you know, I've had my brushes with death, but the closest that I felt to death was during my depression and wanting to take my own life. It felt like death was imminent. Yeah. And, and I think Ralph heard that. And then I heard myself say that. And I was like, <laughs> Shit, like I've not said this before, <laughs> but you know, we go in with complete honesty that mm. if we go in and just say the truth, there's nothing more powerful than that. And no. whether, you know, and it just has to be my truth. You don't have to agree with it. But as long as I agree with it mm. and as long as it's true to me that um, it's impactful. And after I said that, like, you know, I was even surprised because even I felt reluctant to um, talk about that. But when he asked me that question, I knew I had to answer um, truthfully. And um, I just started talking more about it. And during the interviews, I see that people are going through the exact same thing that I'm going through, that I'm mm. not alone and that um, there's millions of other people who are going through the exact same mental state I was in. Mm. So Ralph, did you have suicidal thoughts as well? Had you got to that level as well? I have, yes. Um, and it's extremely tough because it's like, uh, like I said, all the things that I was able to accomplish and then to still feel as small as I, as I felt afterwards. And I wouldn't even say small because I know that I'm small in the grand scheme of things. I would say, um, like I said, I didn't know the value in my story. Um, and so that was extremely tough for me, especially it was just because I couldn't understand. Mm. Like it was always like, Ralph, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Like you got it going on. And, and yeah, here you are in this super dark place thinking about killing yourself because you don't know the answer. You know what I mean? Like I always thought I knew the answer. And then, um, you know, going through a deep like I went through a deep, 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 like extremely dark situation right after I got hurt. And the only thing that I thought that was going to carry me out of that was winning a gold medal, mm. you, know, it, yeah. you know, setting a goal, going after it relentlessly day in, day out, and then getting there, accomplishing it. And then, oh, by the way, this shit didn't solve your problems. Mm. So now I'm like, where the fuck are you now? Yeah. You know, and so you can like you can imagine that was an extremely dark place for me and, you know, just grasping at everything in the air and not getting any answers and, you know, just getting deeper and deeper and deeper and just thinking to myself, like, it shouldn't be this hard when it's this easy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and so, yeah, yeah. um, that was, uh, you know, and it, uh, it's kind of hard to say, you know, I just grabbed, grabbed myself by the bootstraps and, and, you know, just kept, you know, just kept grinding away, but it literally was come me coming down and saying, Hey, I'm not in charge. You know what I mean? Like just mm -hmm. totally uh, releasing myself of all that. And that, and that, that pulled me out of that mm. state of mind. What was it like when, again, when you talk about going to university and you hear each of the stories, what's it actually like for you guys hearing each of the stories for the very first time, like genuinely on a level, because I don't imagine uh, the fact that Jose, you said you hadn't, basically told Ralph about your suicidal thoughts. So Ralph, what was it like hearing that? And then same with you, Jose, hearing Ralph's stories and what he's gone through. What was it like hearing your brother talking about going through all this? Humanizing. Mm. Yeah, very humbling too, you know what I mean? Like, extremely humbling. Just one of the things where I, I, it, it, to be that vulnerable 
in front of someone that's so close to you, in front of people as well. So it's not like you're doing it in the comfort of your own home. It's in front of people oh, as well. We did it in front of people too, huh? Yeah, it was our first time. It was, our- <laughs> it was like 40, yeah, 40, 40 students, 40 in students class. at a time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's part of the process. It's part of um, once you make that initial step of being comfortable with your story and being truthful and honest, like, you know, eventually you're going to say truthful and honest things. Mm. Um, I think people can read and read through the bullshit. Like, you know, um, all the, facades, the bravados, like as a kid, you grow up, we, we think that's, that's what's up. That's what's cool. That's how we should be. Yep. And it's the exact opposite. Yep. When, if you grow up that way and you think that's who you should aspire to be, that's a setup for disaster. It's a setup for, for, um, a lack of self value and, and not really understanding yourself. And, once you see that all your answers are truly in your story, that the greatest teacher are your own experiences, because mm-hmm. not only do you know them, you've also felt them. Mm-hmm. You know, I think you can really start making change as a person, knowing that it's for you in your own person. And, um, you know, back to the, the question, you know, how did I feel when I heard Ralph's story? It was um, when I did his interview for We Are All One Story, it was, um, it was beautiful. I mean, and it's crazy that you can live with someone or know someone for so long, but you don't even know them. Yes. Because they only, because you don't talk about who they are or what they've been through. It's just everything's still kind of on the surface. And I think a, a lot of friendships, relationships, um, even family members don't even truly know their own brothers and sisters. Why do you, um, think, that, why do you think that is then? Why do you think there's such a problem with communication? Not just not, not 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 just between guys, but everyone in general. I think I think for me specifically, I think it was cultural. Okay. You know, our culture is you know you're, you're supposed to be tough, and you know you're not talking about your feelings, and and you know everyone's going through something. So the woe is me isn't isn't the answer, um, and so you just kind of you know shut down and kind of let that those feelings build. Yeah. Is that the same with you, Jose? I think um, it's because people don't want to go to that emotional place. Mm. Um, people, people are afraid to feel. People are afraid. Even, I mean, empathizing requires, true empathy requires the use of your own emotions as well. Mm. And people don't, they feel, they, they're too also consumed with the superficial and then whatever they're going through that they don't have time to listen to somebody else's story but I think when you do that, it's almost like you're telling yourself that nobody should have time to listen to your own story. Yeah. You know, and I think um, it's just getting people comfortable with actually listening to somebody. It's so easy. Just listen. I mean, you don't have to be a doctor or anything. All you got to do is just actually just listen. And you know what? That may save somebody's life or give somebody more time. Yes. And it's mad to say this because as I spoke to guys before, I uh, interviewed uh, Leo Flowers yesterday. And that's exactly what we were talking about then. The fact of people don't listen to listen. They listen for their turn to talk. So then people don't want to be that vulnerable because they let that vulnerability out there and then people aren't bothered anyway. So then you feel like a bit of a twat. (laughs) So then people don't do it. But it's like, like, and this is what Leo was saying, like, if you're struggling, just, just, just call up. He had a great example. He said, just call up customer service. So for you guys, like AT&T, he said, just call up their customer service and talk to their staff members because they have to talk to you. 
because yeah. the calls are recorded, they have to listen. He says, just talk <laughs> yeah, to them. Yeah, and he yeah. said, just play the system. He said, because they have to listen. It's recorded. They have yeah. to listen to you. So just talk to them. And I thought, bloody hell, mate, you're just like, <laughs> just getting everyone to be calling up AT&T with all their problems. So, but it, it's brilliant. <laughs> but it's true that people, I, I feel like this is something when it comes to relationships as well. I don't know how you guys have experienced this in your lives, but I know one of my biggest fundamental flaws in a relationship is that when I'm not open, as in, I can't communicate really truly how I'm feeling. And then what happens is it builds up, it builds up, it builds up. And then before you know it, you're three months down the line and shit's hit the fan. And it's just like, fuck, if I don't just like nip this in the bud, like why did I let it build up? Like, and do you think that's just a typical guy thing? I've been in those shoes too. I'm not going to lie, Dan. So <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know if it's a typical guy thing, but I know that it, it, it was, it was true to me. Yeah. I think that it's hard to feel as, as a guy and then in a relationship, it's, it's hard to feel comfortable to let your girlfriend know those things. Cause you, you don't know how she might like, of course you doubt how she might take it. That's at least for me. Like, what if, what if I tell her my innermost feelings and she's like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, um, I think that's just finding the person you're comfortable with and, 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 where you where you feel safe to say whatever you want. And you think it's a macho thing as well, because again, showing vulnerability, like guys are meant to be the man and protect the woman and all that sort of stuff. And then if you're then going and being all vulnerable and showing emotions, then they might be like, well, you're a little bitch. Like I'm not interested well, in this. I, I think, I think, you know, we have to change our, our, the way we think about that. Absolutely. Because just because I cried on camera don't mean I won't whoop your ass either. You know what I mean? But the thing is, though, it's true, isn't it? It's 100% true. This is the thing. Just because you're crying, just you're showing the vulnerability and emotions. Like, and this is the thing, I think. The fact that you've been through all this. Like, Joe, when you've been to that dark place, like exactly. we all have, mate, fuck me. To come out the other side of that, that's real strength. Yeah. Like, that is to actually be able, and then to be able to talk about it and then to actually want to help other people fuck yeah. man like that for me is true strength like to actually have yeah. that so i completely agree we need to change the narrative yeah change that narrative for sure it's a hard process because it's not even just guys that struggle Especially with your we are one story it's not just guys you've got women on there as well and again some of the women's stories again quite hard to listen to like what they've gone through from like uh, childhoods and stuff so what's it like for you guys when you're hearing these stories because i'm assuming that you it, like you guys it's the first time you may have heard them and obviously you've got to try and interview you've got to try and take but again it's they're quite emotionally charged and some of the stories are quite deep like what's it like for you guys hearing that well on my end i think it's beautiful to tell you the truth you know for someone to come on our platform you know just from a thought you know you know carlos had a thought mm. you know and we ran with it and now we got people sharing some of the deepest secrets that they have and and you know being able to go could kind of see the light the light switch turn on during their interview you know what i mean like they're actually talking about things that they probably never talked about and you can kind of see that you know that connection and and i think it's beautiful that someone feels comfortable enough to be able to do that on our platform mm. so I, that, I think that's something i found in this podcast um the not, not obviously not the one with Leah, the one before that i interviewed a um gb diver so olympic athlete um and she's just retired. So the reason I got on the podcast was she literally retired on the Monday and on the Friday I had her on my podcast. And on, on the podcast, she basically said that she thought about taking her own life. And then when we finished recording, she said, I've never spoke to anyone about that. That's the first time I've ever spoken about that. And I thought to myself, fuck, I, I've created this platform where this person feels so comfortable opening up and sharing that. And as you said so perfectly, uh, Ralph, it's beautiful. Like the fact that 
I felt so good the fact I'd allowed her to share her story. But not only that, that someone else is going to listen to that and she is going to help somebody else. And that is the true power of that connectivity because someone will be like, oh, she's a GB athlete. Same with you, Ralph. The fact that you know I mean? you've done all this, like you've been so high up in the, in the Marines and then you've got a gold medal and then you're going through that and you look at all the celebrities that commit suicide. Like the lead singer of Lincoln Park, the guy was a millionaire, like had millions of fans and then he still committed suicide. It's, it affects everybody. So the more that I think we make it normal to talk about it, it opens up that conversation. And have you found that, that the more of these you're doing, the more people are coming to you and want to share their story? Yeah. People want to be heard. People want to let a lot of things off their shoulders. Mm-hmm. People want to take the power back. People want to have their voice heard. And, um, you know, we have a platform where, um, where people want to do that through our platform. And just even if just having it out there, like, hey, this is what happened, but this isn't, this doesn't define me. It's a part of who I am, but it doesn't control who I am. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I think it's beautiful and it's powerful all the way around. So with you guys both now with, uh, with your depression, because this is something I talk about a lot, like I've still, once you've had depression, it's always there with you. Again, I think I used this analogy with you, Jose. It's, fact of, it's like a baby. Like, you've got to always keep your eye on it. Like, take your eye off it, it's going to start screaming again. Like, you've always yeah. got to keep your eye on it. It's always there. <laughs> so for you guys now, where you're at, how do you get yourself out of that depressive state? Is there stuff you're, you guys do? Do you like do any sort of like gratitude journaling? Uh, again, Jose, I know you found religion. I don't know if you, if you did Ralph as well, like, like prayer and stuff. Like what, what has helped you guys get to this place where you're okay? Like you've got it under control. Is there, basically what I'm asking is for people in the audience that are listening to this, what advice could you give them to help them get out of that dark place? Uh, personally, I need to get in my own space. You know, I like to separate myself from everything. You know, no service on my cell phone, you know, just being out in the middle of nature. And then, you know, that kind of reminds me of how small I am. Mm-hmm. You know, seeing things that are so great and so vast you know, that, you know, just the ocean, you know, certain mountains, stuff like that. You know, I'm looking at these things and I'm like, I'm just, I'm this big, you know what I mean? And so, um, you know, praying, you know, being able to pray out in the middle of, of nowhere is just, uh, is beautiful to me. And I think that's what keeps my headspace clear is that, you know, like just get away from everyday, everyday life. And then just kind of figure out what's really important to me, you know, kind of reflect a lot, um, set goals while I'm on these trips and stuff like that. And so lately, that's really what's been my, my thing to do. Yeah, did you go somewhere recently, Ralph? Um, I've, I've, I went from here to California, from California to Salem and uh, Oregon mm-hmm. and back. So that was probably around 2,500 miles driving. And were you doing um, that for that reason? Were you going to, have to get a bit of headspace? Was that one of those? Yeah, trips? you know, you know, I get to visit family during that time. You know what I mean? I, it was Father's Day, so I got to go home for Father's Day, visit my dad. Um, then got on the road and went to go visit my nieces and and you know my biological father. You know, like um, you know, I didn't have that relationship with him growing up, but I have you know two brothers and a sister, and they all ha- and they all um, have daughters, so I have three nieces. And so that, you know, being able to forgive my father for all the, all the, the shit that was, you know, caused through my childhood, you know, once I found out that I had three nieces, like Hmm. I just had to let all that shit go, you know what I mean? And so, um, you know, being able to visit them, you know, that, that brings, you know, some, some peace at heart too. Hmm. 
Is that what you said? Same thing with you, uh, Jose, with everything that's happened with you, like with, with your um, with your mum and stuff, like that forgiveness. For me, for me, I think um, one, I didn't find religion. I found my faith, and there's a big difference. You know, religion are a set of rules. Faith is just truly believing and having hope. Um, and hoping what? And hoping everything that's good. Mm. That's what God is. Everything that's good. It's G O D. Just add another O in it. Um, <laughs> Love that. You, you've used that one before. You've used that one before. <laughs> that rolled too easily off the tongue. It's just for people but, uh, to listen, because some, some people, because again, in this country, we're not as openly religious as yeah. you are over in America. So over in America, like you can talk about the difference between faith and religion, and people probably know what you're talking about. But in this country, obviously, we've got religion. Like, I'm not saying we don't. Like we do, but people aren't as open about it. Whereas in America, like people think nothing about sharing their religious views and blah, blah, blah. But in this country, it's not because we're so multicultural here. We have so many and we're such close proximity. Like we just tend to just sort of get on with it, if that makes sense. So we don't really talk about it. Whereas over there, very much like we're this, we're that. And it's, again, people get on, but people openly talk about it. Whereas in this country, we don't. So I just want to make that difference between faith and religion because for, for me, I didn't know the difference. So I know some of my audience probably wouldn't have either. So I'm glad you cleared well, that up. My, that was my, de- I just made that, de- I just made that difference right now. <laughs> 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 Nobody else. <laughs> um, but as far as um, the, like the depression, it being a baby, you got to keep your eye on it. I think that, um, you know, positively I'm at an advantageous stage because I know what depression looks like and I know what it looks like when it starts to creep in. I know what it looks like when the thoughts start to creep in. Whereas there's a person out there who's having the the beginning phases of a depression that can lead to a lot of bad things that they don't know what's happening. Yes. So they can't, they don't have the tools to, to deal with, you know, their coping mechanisms or their thought process or how to get themselves out of that. So I think that you know, like you said, we made it out of that depression and we're on the other side. Now we kind of know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is there. And the way for me, like when, when it starts creeping up, you know, I have a beautiful cross reference point being the point of wanting to take my own life. And I always tell myself, geez, I definitely don't feel like that anymore. Yeah. Um, I'm grateful for that. Um, and I just make a list of gratitudes and I also feel the gratitude. It's not just words it's like i'm thankful to be alive because at the end of the day i do want to be alive and you know when i was depressed i thought i didn't want to be alive and it was just a lie so i think um you're right the baby's there and it's always there but we know it's there yeah and you know if you don't know it's there that baby can grow and grow and grow and grow can you guys tell when each of you aren't okay like can you just look at ralph and be like come on motherfucker what's up like, has he, does he, has he got an aura about him? Can, have you got to that stage now where you can tell where each other aren't okay and you can pick Whoa. each other up? <laughs> he's, like, he's like an angry dog. <laughs> <laughs> but because his uh, hockey think, things are beating you with yeah. it. <laughs> but um, I think there's an energy. I mean, I think there's an energy, and um, I think that we both know that we both have the tools to to work through our um, through our emotions at this point, and if anyone's or if anyone's like um, feeling about anything, we'll just talk about the situation and then that's it. But mm. for the most part, we just let it pass. That's good. That, that's, that's, a good that's, a good, that's a good place to be. It's a good place to be where you can just let it pass. Now, I think we, we slightly touched on it, but I want to go back into it. 
because both of you guys have had people in your lives that have sort of let you guys down. So how do you forgive someone that has let you down so much and caused such a negative time or negative event in your life? Because both of you guys have had it to some degree. And again, obviously Ralph spoke about his dad and again, he sort of let it go so he could see his nieces and stuff. But how do you forgive? Because so much people hold on to hatred. They hold on to anger. And again, both of you guys have got such things to be angry about. Obviously, Ralph, with your legs, it wasn't your fault. It was someone else's fault. And then Jose, like, you lost years of your life in prison. You've got so much, both of you guys, to be angry about. How do you guys let go of that? Like, because that is, a, that is a skill in and of itself. Like, how do you do that? For me, I had to go through it. You know what I mean? Like, I knew that all that hate in my heart wasn't helping me at all. Period. You know what I mean? And I knew that I had to look within, you know, I always say, you know, looking in the mirror is like um, the highest form of accountability for me. You know, I have to be happy when I look in the mirror at the person that I'm looking at. And if I'm not, it's up to me to make that change. How'd you do that? You know, and for me, like I said, I had to go through that. Like I had to go through the suicidal thoughts. I had to go through you know, the deepest depressions. And I had to experience those things to know that that wasn't the answer for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I had to to go through the darkest moments to know that, Hey Ralph, like this isn't a place for you. Yeah. So what do you want to do about it? Yeah. You know what I mean? And it, and it just literally, I, I had to really dig deep and, you know, I had to have that, that spiritual, you know, uh, it just had to come over me, you know? I can't even explain it in words, really. You know what I mean? I know, I, I know what you mean. When it comes to spirituality, that, that, I, I completely get that. Yeah. And I, again, as you said, Jose, it's like just something, again, God, whatever you want to call it. You, you can call it whatever you want, like spirituality, God, this, this higher power, this energy, this, this thing. When it comes over you, it, it is very powerful. And again, people listening to this that don't know what we're talking about, I hope you never do from a dark yeah. place. I hope, I, hope you find, I hope you find it in a happy place and experience yeah. it. Like Ralph was saying, when you're on a mountaintop or something and, and you feel it then, I hope you never have to go through what we went through. But once you experience that, for me, it was a spirituality side of the thing, like Ralph, what you were saying, like for me, like just actually experiencing that. And that was the thing for me. Like looking in the mirror, I hated what I saw. I literally could not bear to look at myself in the mirror. And that was, that was, that was hard. Like, yeah. And again, I talk about, and I talk about this to, to anyone I spoke about. If you went into my flat when I was depressed, I had one mirror. So bear in mind, at this time, I was modeling. So I was on the front cover of magazines. I'm in stores and all this blue stuff. I was looking good. One mirror, and I was to do my hair. And that was it. Because I, I hated how I looked. I didn't want to see myself. I didn't want to catch myself in a, in a mirror accidentally. I had no mirror in my bedroom. Nothing. I did not want, even when I was at the gym, I did not want to pose in the mirror. I didn't want to look in the mirror. I literally tried to avoid mirrors because I hated what I saw. And then as you said, Ralph, it's then having to go through that of like, right, what the fuck? What? Again, it's almost like uh, having your own back, trusting in yourself. Like, Daniel, come on. Fucking snap out of this shit. Let's, let's do that. And then going through it. So I think that's powerful. I think that's very, very powerful. What about you, Jose? You know, I think... Um Forgiving other people was uh, a journey for me. Um, you know, I had to forgive my mom. I think you read the book and there's a lot of things there that I, in my life that I blamed her for. After that, I had to then go and forgive my dad, which was, you know, another journey. Um, and those things happened. And what I had was a realization that my mom and my dad, that 
they're just human beings just like I am. Mm. You know, I did, you know, you know, pretty bad things. And I would venture to say worse things than what they did to me. And, um, you know, how can I, how can I hold on to that unforgiveness towards some, towards my own flesh and blood? And it wasn't just that it was just like, they're autonomous people with their own issues. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as kids, we just get caught up in what our adult figures issues are most of the times. And my mom doesn't know a thing about mental health. And if you tell her anything about mental health, she's going to feel that she's, he's going to be highly insulted and she might kick you out the house. Yeah. Um, because that's just how she is. My pops, you might listen to it, but he's going to throw you under the rug. Um, but at the end of the day, I did forgive them and I was able to see them as I was able to see myself just as a person who's imperfect, who's trying to get better, mm-hmm. you know, who's, who's going through life based on the things they know. And, and a lot of times the things we know are wrong. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, the hardest part for me, which I always tell people is, you know, forgiving myself. I think I was in the same place that you were at. I hated my my own reflection. I hated looking in the mirror when I saw the mirror, like I wanted to punch the mirror. Yeah. Um, I wanted to just break the glass. I, I definitely couldn't look myself in the eyes, my eyes to me, like there, there was nothing there. There wasn't a soul to behold. And, um, it was intense and I did need the spiritual experience myself to, um, you know, how, how do I forgive myself? Who am I to forgive myself? Especially when, I did hurt other people and I did hurt innocent people. And I was a part of a lot of negative things. Um, you know, I just felt I didn't have that authority to forgive myself. And that's when I, uh, you know, I cried out to God and I felt that, Hey, don't worry about it. <laughs> You're yeah, just yeah. a person. Yeah. I still love you. And, um, you know, you can, like, you can still live. You don't got to keep on beating yourself up. You don't got to hate yourself that, we're all just people going through life together that we all have our issues. And, and the key is that we just try and get better. It's in the trying to get better. And if you Mm. just focus on the trying to get better, guess what? You get better. Mm. And, um, and you know, that realization hit and I was able to finally accept the forgiveness, the inherent forgiveness that I have and, um, move forward with my life because I was stuck for so long. I was stuck in, a train of thought and I was stuck in a negative thought process. And finally I got over that hump. That's the best. You, you, you touched on quite a few things there. So I'll just get my pen out and start taking some notes on it. Cause I'm, my, my memory is shocking. Like, a big thing you, you spoke about there was like beliefs, like what people believe about themselves, people believe about the world, whatever that is. But the key thing with beliefs are beliefs are not real. Like what we believe to be true is not fact. It's not a fact. It is a belief. So by definition, it's not true. And that's the key thing here. Like what we believe the world to be, isn't always fact. So part of the growing process is potentially to unlearn everything you think you know about the world and everything you think you know about people around you, for example. Like people finding out that, Jimmy, you've been in the cribs, straight away, bam, an assumption. Because they believe you're going to be a certain way. But you then have to untrain that belief. You then have to have the openness to be like, well, actually, Joe, let me give this person a chance. And once yeah. you do that, things change. But again, you spoke about with your parents. Like, again, same with my parents. Like, they're very closed. You can't really have that conversation with it. So it, it sort of is what it is that they're stuck in their ways. And I think uh, our age group, our generation, I think we're the first people that are really t- taking mental health to the mainstream 
so, so people can actually have these conversations. So further down the line, if I have a kid, like they're going to be more open to talking to me about it and I'm going to understand. I've got the empathy. Like we've been through some shit, so we all know what it's like so we can help them. Whereas with our parents, as you said, Ralph, like it's, it's a case of they were just like, right, just got to deal with it. Like just suppress it, deal with it. And again, that's why, again, sort of generational thing, but a lot of the older generation, they struggle with like alcohol and all that sort of stuff because they're just suppressing things down. They're not happy. It's not having that, they just don't have that ability to be happy. But then, then you, then you spoke about some like thought that, that how, how, you, how you think is such a massive thing. Like what we say to ourselves, like for me, the biggest thing with me when I was depressed was the internal dialogue in my head was absolutely vile. It was vile. The way I was talking to myself was absolutely horrific. But people yeah. are doing this on a daily basis and they don't even realize that they're doing it. And all this stuff we're talking about, about how you can get yourself better and on a level and that constant pursuit of progress and improving it's free. You don't have to go and spend thousands of pounds on it. A gratitude journal, like my gratitude journal cost me 50p. So what's that about 70 cents in your guys' money? Because 70 cents is nothing. And again, the pen, it's a cheap pen, but you just write it down there. It doesn't have to be a lavish leather bound book or anything like that. Like meditating, getting out in nature, all these things, it's free. But the problem is we're not taught this shit at school. The problem is we, we don't know where to look. And as guys, especially, again, women are more open about their feelings and their emotions. But as a guy, fucking hell, like, I, I don't even know how I got on this path that I'm on now because I look back when I was depressed, I didn't know where to look. I didn't have a clue where to look. I think that's a massive problem. Yeah, it's a massive problem. I mean, some people, um, we know that some people do take their lives because they feel that there's no outlet. This is just a fact of what's going on. And if if people are just willing to listen, that's it. That's all you got to do is listen. Make somebody feel comfortable and accept their humanness that, hey, they're going through something. <clears throat> all you got to do is listen. And there's no judgment. There's no, there's no, there's no weakness in going through a mental health, a mental bout. You know, we all go through it. The fact of it, really, we all do in one way or another. And um, everyone. Everyone, I don't yeah, give a fuck if you, I don't give a fuck if you're a billion trillionaire. Don't care. Exactly. Don't but care. it should never. We shouldn't live in a world where somebody feels that they can't talk to somebody and they end up taking their own life. I think that's just unacceptable, especially with everything that we have now. That you know, people should be comfortable talking about what they're going through. Mm. Do you have a problem with that in the military, Ralph? That some of your uh, ex uh, brothers in arms. Is there a massive stigma in the, the armed forces about talking about mental health or has that narrative got a lot better? Um, you know, I think the narrative is, is, is starting to get better, but, uh, but you can only magnify, you know, society's beliefs through military lens and, you know, that they have a persona, they have, you know, bravado and, you know, alpha male, you know, they have to portray that. And so, you know, after deployments for myself, we had to go through a decompression phase where we got together and, you know, the guys in your unit would, would get together before they went back home. And so we would go to Germany and we'd spend a week in Germany and we would try to get all those things out before we went back with family. And I, I always felt that it was easier to speak about your feelings with people that always, that, that went through similar, similar things with you. And I think that was a, a positive thing for for my unit, but I don't, not everyone does that. Mm. And so not, ev and everyone does experience some form of trauma in combat. You know what I mean? And so 
Um, for us, I think we hand, handled it in a healthy way, but I know in general, most don't. Hmm. And so, you know, they resort to drugs, you know, alcohol and, you know, other behaviors and, and, you know, it's, it's very prevalent in the military. Yeah. Cause that's the thing. I think it'd be so interesting like that, that approach, like, let's say when you leave school or in your last year, in your last year of high school or your last year of university, whatever it is, imagine how powerful it'd be to have these little groups where you get split, your class gets split in half and you go away for a week somewhere and you actually just talk about shit. Yeah. Like you actually have a lesson in how to talk and just what people are going through. Because again, you get all the jocks in school and the nerds and all that sort of stuff. But again, we're all the same. And again, you guys know it. Like I know it as well. Like all the popular kids in school that you think, again, I know Ralph, you were the popular one, but most of us weren't the popular one. <laughs> but the, the, the popular ones in school, like you, you see them and they're, they're still living on that same cloud that they were in at school. They haven't progressed, they haven't changed. But at school, you put so much pressure on yourself of, oh my God, this person's this, this person's that. And you're putting your value of your story based on someone else. Because again, no one wants to hear your story. And I think that's, that, it's, it's such a, it's, it's so, your whole idea is so simple and basic, but it is massive. Yeah. Fucking okay, massive. Yeah. It's so easy. It's so yes. basic. You're absolutely right. Just tell your the story. Person, the most important person who needs to hear your story is you yourself. Yes. That's it. Yes. That's it. Absolutely. And I think that's what people do, whether when, when they go on the platform, as long as you're making your story in a positive narrative, I mean, geez, like it's, it's, it's empowering. It's so basic. It's so easy. But um, if you really go through your life, I think you see – you see your uniqueness. You see your why you are, why you why you are who you are too, mm. as well. A lot. Mm. Is that something? Get, is that something you have to work on? Sorry about the, the positive narrative, because do you get a lot of people that are, uh, that come and talk to you that are doing it from a negative point of view. Because this is mega. Because when you're talking about your story and these labels people wear, like I'm dyslexic, I'm I'm depressed, I've been blah blah blah. I've been like you wear it as a label, and if you're coming from it from a negative place reinforce that negativity so i love what you said there and i want to pick up on it so talking about your story from a positive place how do you get people to do that you know i have no control for if, if a person talks um tells us their story positively or negatively it is always my hope that they're able to see their story through the lens of hope and positivity and honesty um you know, when I, when, when, when people reach out and I send them the questions, I do put in the question in the questionnaire. I do tell them, I say, you know, we can't change the things that happen to us, but we can't change the way we look at him. Let's look at him together through the lens of hope and honesty. And um, so I, tr I do try and set the tone that way, but I understand that just getting a person to sit down and talk about their story is a win and it's a step in the positive direction. Absolutely. So I take it as I, I take it as 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 it comes. And when I'm in the interview, I can't tell the person, "Hey, you need to look at your story this way." It's their story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so if they want to look at it that way in that moment, that's where they're at in that mm. moment in that interview. And I don't hold any judgment after I just talk, and I know that they let a lot of stuff out, and now they can start. Um, seeing their story, their life, why they are, how they are a little bit more critically, just a little yes. bit more. And I think it's just a positive step um, all the way around. Our hope is always that people see it like, you know, with hope and positivity, but a lot of people are still in their depression sometimes when they share their story. Yeah. So, but we'll it's take so powerful, that too. Though. 
That's still, still good. As yeah. I said, like, I can't think of anything worse than talking about my story when I was depressed. However, if someone had said to me, listen, I, I know you're struggling. And again, to be fair, I think that's all I needed, really, was someone just to say, listen, I know you're struggling because I didn't even fucking know. So for someone to be like, listen, I know you're struggling. I just want to have a bit of a chat about that. Just come and talk about what you're going through. Like, to be fair, that would have completely changed my story. Yeah. I just needed someone to actually care, to actually give a fuck to want to do that for me. So that in in and of itself is is powerful. Do you guys have with the the We Are Raw One story? Do you have like almost like a, a Facebook group, or do you have like a, a yearly meetings where you meet up? Like, so you have all these people you've interviewed. Do you like get them together so that they can talk with each other? No, uh, yeah, I think I think, I think there's something on that because <laughs> that, that that'd be powerful to hear because again to actually put them in a room with other people that they've heard their story. I think that's a powerful thing. It might be on that something is there. Powerful. I mean, right now they they um or we all converse on the platform, and I think um other people who have shared their stories, I was just noticing, you know, and um you know they reach out and they say, "Wow, you're going through the exact same thing I was going through. I thought it was only me." Yeah. Um, and for someone to have that realization just through um a social media platform, I think that's amazing. And 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 um you know. Ideally, man, we would love to get everybody together. Logistically, how that's going to happen, I think that's in 2021. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I've, to- I've told you guys, when you guys come to the UK, you better hook me up. And when I'm over in America, I'll make sure I get over to you guys as well. So I've got two final questions for you guys. Uh, the first one, um, what does the future hold for both of you? Like when it comes to We Are One Story, like what does the future hold? Like Again, personally as well, but for the company, what do you guys want for the company like where's the, what's the future hold what's the future hold bro I'm <laughs> <me>. <laughs> um what the future holds is you know where we wanted to go we wanted we obviously say let us share your story with the world um we want to go international and we want to we want to go hear people's stories across the world because what we'll find is the same thing that we're all people going through the same things um you know, when you when you look past the labels, the the appearance, the material, you see that our essence as people is truly the same. Um, so the more stories we can tell, the better. Um, the wider the range, the better. Um, we feel that the message of we are all one story, that each person is significant, that each person's story matters. I think that that message is in each and every individual. And the more um, people we can get, the better, the bigger the message can be moved across. Mm. I think that's beautiful. I think that, that is a that is a powerful message. Like the fact that we are all human. Like we're all human. We're all got, we're all exactly the same. We are literally exactly the same. I think that's a that's a that's a massive, massive, powerful thing. Now, Ralph, you are, you are not getting out of not answering these questions. This is aimed at both of you guys, okay? Final question. What do you guys want for each other out of life? I wanna I want Carlos to have his family. I want him to be traveling the world. I want him to, you know, be in his office writing books, um, you know, and he's putting in the work. You know what I mean? I see a day in and day out. So I know that, it, you know, it's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when. What about you, Jose? I'm, I'm going to... I'm- Hey, I'm going to take a nap after this. <laughs> I don't want Ralph to judge me because I'm taking a nap. You said it now. I was like, damn, I've just picked you up, bro, and now you're napping. <laughs> um, 
but um, I want kind of the same things for Ralph. I want him to have his family. I want him to experience joy, not just within himself and, and with, with God and nature, but with his family by him. I think um, we all yearn for those things. Um, and I think that's one of the, I think Ralph's pretty sad. <laughs> you know that, but um, you know, I want him to keep on inspiring people. I remember when I did his, his uh, interview, his dream was to inspire. I know he definitely inspired me and it took a lot for me to take inspiration from another man, but it happened mm, and, no. um, that he lived, continue to live his dream mm. at the end of the day that he continues to build upon what he's doing. And I think the, the sky's the limit right now and um, we've never had more hope. So we're just going to keep on going. No, that's awesome. And again, um, Ralph, that original YouTube um, thing of your story was, was absolutely incredible. And that's why I wanted to interview you guys individually. It was after hearing that and the fact that, Jose, I hadn't heard your story because you, you, you went on there because Ralph hasn't interviewed you yet. You need to get on that, Ralph. He's got oh, on that. We did it. Did yeah, you? Have you done it? it? I've not yeah, seen it. I need, I need to see that because at the time you didn't do it. And I was like, damn, I've not heard Jose's story. I need to hear Jose's oh, story. Did yeah, did it. That was my first interview too. That was the first one I did. It was a... Uh... But the thing is that I loved yeah. it because it, it, it was, I, I loved Jose because I didn't know that it was you at the time that was interviewing Ralph. I just thought it was a random person you got interviewing him. But how deep you got and like, the connection with that, that's why I was like, like, I need to get both of you guys on to get to the bottom of these stories. And that's why, again, uh, Ralph, yours was so long because yours was so built up, the story. You had so much going on with that. Like, I didn't want to, like, do you know how hard it was for me to edit your fucking podcast? <laughs> fucking Jesus. Like, we had, had like two hours. Fuck it, honestly, I was just like, I was saying, I was like, fucking hell. And I was like, but I wanted to do it justice because how, how beautifully you put it across your journey of the downs and everything. Like it was absolutely incredible for me. So I had to do it justice with that. And then Jose, same with you. Like when you were talking about your depression still to this day, I've not done a podcast where I've spoke to someone and their experience of depression has hit me like a fucking train. Like you nearly brought me to tears because it was literally like I was talking through you. And so what you guys, what you are doing, I just wanted to say that what you guys are doing, you are fucking doing it. Like, and I know you know that, but I just wanted to say from me and my audience, like you guys are fucking doing it. And I feel so blessed, privileged, and honored to actually know you guys on this level now and to have this chat with you. And like, like I said, genuinely, like I, I would happily go meet you when, uh, when you come over to England. Like that's the level I've got with you guys. And I just want to say thank you again for sharing everything that you have done with my audience. Where can people find out more about you both? So can you tell me where they can find out about We Are One Story? And can you tell them about your individual Instagrams as well so they can find you individually and as the We Are One Story? Yeah, you can find us uh, at weareallonestory.net. That's online. Um, and you can find us on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook at weareallonestory. What about then, your Instagrams? Uh, uh, I'm not worried about my Instagram. Just follow, follow, follow We Are All One Story. I'm going to put it all over there. Listen, we've got to find some of these old photos your host says. Is that what you're afraid of? Okay, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> Jose Lugo, 6587. <laughs> there you go, right there. What about you, Ralph? Where, where can people find more about you? Uh, Mr. Benjamin Boom. Right, where's, right, I meant to ask you this before. Where the fuck's that come from? So my middle name is Benjamin, and my family knows me as Benjamin. And Boom was just, that's just been me since forever. Because I thought about this. I meant to ask you on our podcast. So I looked at it and I thought, why is his name Benjamin Boom? Yeah. Never figured it out. <laughs> Gentlemen, honestly, thank you so much. This has been absolutely awesome. And I'll speak to you guys soon. Awesome.